Hello, everyone, and welcome to Rural Spark. I'm your host, Helen Murphy. Rural innovation often means that we're drawing on both old school knowledge and techniques, as well as the latest technologies. And that's the kind of story we're going to talk about this week, where the first chapter includes the hard work of a mule named Bub, helping to lay fiber optic cable. Bringing high-speed rural connectivity to Jackson County in eastern Kentucky was well worth the effort of so many, both beast and humankind, as it reversed out migration and has given many local residents good-paying remote jobs, drastically reducing the unemployment rate. Much of this compelling story is due to the commitment and hard work of a utility company called the People's Rural Telephone Cooperative in McKee, Kentucky. And perhaps no one tells the story better than the cooperative CEO, Keith Gabbard, and we're very pleased to have him as our guest on the Rural Spark podcast today. Hello, Keith, and welcome to Rural Spark. Hello, Helen. Thanks for the, inviting me to be a part of it. Now, you had a big uh, profile written about you and your organization and all you've achieved there recently, uh, I think, in uh, New Yorker magazine. So have, have you been getting lots of uh, calls and uh, people approaching you who are interested in what you've been doing there? I have. I guess I didn't realize uh, what an audience the New Yorker had. Uh, we, we very seldom get anything written about us here in Eastern Kentucky, in rural, in rural Eastern Kentucky, uh, out of New York. And most time, it's probably something bad. So we were very pleasantly surprised to to have the nice story written. And I've got a lot of calls from all over the all over the country, and, and of course, even Canada. Yeah, well, I'm glad that I stumbled upon that story, and it seemed to be a good fit for us here at Rural Spark. Digital connectivity, uh, rural broadband has been a huge issue here uh, across Canada. Um, government investments have been coming along and, and have been increased in the past year uh, to try to address that. But as you know, we're a very big country, lots of rural communities, and, and these things are expensive. And, and you have an interesting story to share, so um, I'm really glad that you've made time to talk with us today about it. It's my pleasure. I love talking about it. I love telling our story. Oh, great. Well, so that our audience here, primarily in Canada, we do have some listeners in other countries, but uh, so that we can all get an idea of where exactly this story is taking place. Can you tell us a little bit more about Jackson County in Kentucky? Yes, Jackson County is, uh, we're in eastern Kentucky, the, the mountains of eastern Kentucky, and uh, we are a small county. We have, a well, I'm not sure relative to what but our, our population is about 13,500 our biggest city is about 900 people and uh, it's, it's McKee it's where our, our headquarters is we also serve another county that's even smaller Owsley County about 4,500 people so we serve two counties in eastern Kentucky all of those counties both the most rural and the and the less rural and uh, we we our company is a cooperative. It's a nonprofit cooperative, and we've we've served these counties with first telephone and now broadband TV and telephone since 1950. Right, and those two counties you mentioned traditionally, if we look at say the past number of decades, they would be among the poorest areas, the poorest counties in the United States. Is that correct? Absolutely. Yes, the per capita income it's it's very very low. It's very a lot of poverty here. Right. Uh, there's some, you know, some hills and mountains and, and rural rural areas, but you guys are very familiar with that in Canada. But uh, yes, there's a lot of poverty. There are a lot of poor people here, not not many jobs. Right. And and we do have communities, of course, that are having similar struggles here. And sometimes when you're in, you know, communities that are among the most rural and, and most uh, poverty stricken, it can be hard to have hope that you can actually be among the ones that are going to have success stories. And that's something that makes your story even more compelling. So as I understand it, thanks to the organization that you lead, which is called the People's Rural Telephone Cooperative, Jackson County now has among the fastest internet speeds in the United States. And of course that lends itself to all kinds of new opportunities. 
I understand that that movement, and, and I think we could call it a movement, given the pieces that had to come together to make it happen, to get to this point, emerged from a time of particular economic distress, even more so than we see today, and, and involved a mule named Bub. It is a terrific story. Why don't you walk us through it? <laughs> yes, old Bub is some is is the name of the mule, and uh, he's even had a song written about him. He's, he's somebody that a lot of people have interest in. We started this. We have built an all fiber optic network throughout our two counties. No more copper whatsoever for telecom infrastructure. So mm-hmm. that started in about two thousand eight. Started with a loan from the United States government, U.S. Department of Agriculture, and a twenty million dollar loan. And then while we were about a year into the project, there were some programs. You know, the, there was sort of a crash in the economy nationwide, and there were some programs, uh, some stimulus programs to stimulate the economy. And we were lucky enough to get a, a part loan, part grant to build some more fiber, and that was $25 million. And then we, we had another $5 million of our own capital. So it was $50 million to build this all-fiber network. It was 1,000 miles of fiber, $50,000 a mile is what it cost us. It took us about six years to build it. And and due to some of the terrain here, you, you guys can certainly identify with it. We have some pretty rough terrain here in the mountains. And sometimes vehicles, it's hard to get vehicles up and, and even people. So we used a, a, a mule named Old Bub to help put some of the fiber. Most of our cable is aerial cable. So as you install it, you know, it's, it's a matter of taking it from one toe to the next. And uh, and we had some pictures of old bub and those things just went viral and everybody's asking about old bub and that actually the last time we used old bub was several years ago but uh, he's become sort of a local hero evidently and he helped us build but the, i think the irony of a mule building mm-hmm. a state-of-the-art network uh, gigabit capable fiber optic service is what makes uh, it what makes it interesting Absolutely. You're going from extremely old school to the highest uh, in modern technology. So it's, uh, it is quite compelling that way. We'll have to get a picture above from you uh, to put on our Facebook page when we share this podcast talk. I can get one to you. <laughs> Terrific. Um, do you think, Keith, that it made a big difference that your organization is a, a cooperative, that it is member owned? Did that make a big difference in, in going from where you were to where you are now? I think it did in two ways. Number one, of course, being member on, we can make quicker decisions. We're also a little more concerned about providing the best service to our customers rather than, you know, getting a return on, on our investment or, or even, you know, paying dividends to our uh, stockholders, which, you know, in our case, it's all members. Right. So I think we can make quicker decisions. And I'm, in my mind, uh, the best decisions and our only our only motive is to get our people the very best service they can get. And and then also, I think, uh, you know, I think that we're smaller and you can get, you can move quicker that way too. If you're not such a huge corporation that your decisions are made in three states away or something like that. So I, th- I think definitely that, that that was part of what helped us make this happen. Right. And once you got all that fiber optic cable laid, uh, the next big step in driving job creation in your area was a partnership that emerged between your cooperative and a local employment organization that ended up bringing hundreds of internet-based jobs to Jackson County. When you were first uh, deciding to forego the copper and go fiber optic and get this set up, was that even on the table? Was Was that a vision at the time or was it just kind of a hopeful idea that you decided to pursue more determinedly later? I would like to tell you, uh, Helen, that I was smart enough to know that was going to happen. But I, in all honesty, I, I just thought that we thought, not just me, but our management team and our directors thought that 
you know, the fiber optic was just going to get us the best broadband for the longest period of time. Mm -hmm. And we had rebuilt our copper two or three times. It just was never fast enough. And we, at the same time, we were trying to improve our video, our TV product, and, and get better high definition and things like that. And we just knew, instead of trying to maintain a coax for cable TV and copper for telephone and fiber just for the transmission part, we could just do everything with just fiber optic. If it lasts longer, it would be a better service. And we didn't realize the economic impact it would have, but it's been the best decision we ever made, that money that we spent to do that. Definitely the best decision we ever made because so many people, our economy is such is so much improved. Mm -hmm. uh, a lot of work from home jobs. We've had in our two communities, total population, 18,000 in our two counties, workforce, you know, a lot less than that, maybe half that or less. We've had over a thousand work from home jobs created in our two counties based on this partnership. And, wow. and, and I can talk more about how it works, but, but these folks are just, you know, not only are they not having to drive and pay transportation costs, but you know, they never have to leave their home. They don't have to they work in their pajamas. Right. And, and we're talking about some of the biggest names, right. In, in technology, um, digital type businesses in the United States. Um, of course, they're attractive because there's high speed internet, but what else was it about the workforce availability, the community there that made them come and really in big numbers set up remote working opportunities? Sort of the way it started was uh, this workforce employment organization came to me and said, we hear you have some great broadband. We just finished our building project, our construction, and said, we're, we're, we've got a, some money here to start a hub to train people to work from home and do uh, customer service type work. Mm -hmm. And so we'd like for you to help us set that up in your county. And, and of course we had to do some things. We partnered with some other business, our local electric cooperative, our local county government. We found them a rent free space. We wired the building for all the training. We did some things for them. And then they provided staff to train people. And, and to be honest with you, it started off first few months. We just weren't seeing a lot of jobs created. And then, you know, you can understand this. Hell, they hired this one lady, Betty Hayes, and she's a rock star. And when she got hired to manage these hubs, it just took off. And mm. she developed relationships with not necessarily the companies like, let's say, Apple, Hilton, whoever they work for. But there's third parties in the middle that take contracts with these big companies. And they are huge. They have tens and hundreds of thousands of jobs and contracts with different entities. And she developed relationships with those companies. Hmm. Those companies, once uh, she would do workshops with these people, help them get jobs, and in some cases, they would even come to our place and do workshops, uh, job fairs. Once they developed a trust with her and her staff that these people, okay, after they get through this training, they can do the job. They have good work ethics. We have great internet. They would do speed tests and make sure that was good. Once we developed this good relationship, and that took a little while, maybe a year, 18 months, they just kept coming back to her, to her. And now there's like nine or 10 hubs in Eastern Kentucky. There's two of them in my counties. And, and I think the two in my counties, our counties have been the most successful, the most number of jobs created. But there are jobs all throughout Eastern Kentucky, uh, people that need jobs. And, and these are, uh, you know, much better than some of the minimum wage jobs, if they even have a job that they have now. So it's been it's been a really great partnership. And training is a huge part of it, isn't it? Like these people don't just get a day of training and then start working on on the remote job. In some cases, I, I saw in that New Yorker story too some of the uh, stories about the training. It's it's tough, and and it does last a while, and then they're they're well equipped to do a good job. Absolutely, and and now they've 
you know, they've got to where they actually tailor the training to the person that's wanting the hiring. It's not just a generic training. It's a, you know, if you want to work, if you want to do tech support for Apple, they have a, a specific training to that. But but younger, Betty has told me, Betty Hayes, that if it's younger people that are real computer savvy, uh, that the training's not that <clears throat> intense. If it's somebody that's not used to that, then it takes them a little bit longer. But they they've got all ages working and all types of people and. It's really been a great thing for our community. It's been a great economic development. I want to pause briefly here to say a word of thanks to our sponsor, ExploreNet, for supporting the Rural Spark discussion. I think we can all agree that rural areas of Canada should have access to the same amazing internet technologies as our biggest cities. And what's so interesting about ExploreNet, their network is bringing 5G-ready technology to rural Canadians even before it gets delivered to urban areas. You can learn more and check out what ExploreNet services are in your area by visiting ExploreNet.com. That's X-P-L-O-R-N-E-T.com. Right, and, and so you actually have more people moving into Jackson County than, than leaving, as we see in many rural areas. Yes, in eastern Kentucky, you know, it used to be coal country, and the, you know, certainly coal is, the downturn of the coal economy has really hurt job market in eastern Kentucky, and not as much in my counties, but farther east, really bad. And we're sex in most of those counties are seeing a loss of population uh, over the last three decades. But our, our counties, um, the two of them together, stay about the same. But we think the last few years, this last decade, that we're growing. And mm. we're, you know, we're, we're going to be doing a census this year here in, uh, in the United States. And we'll find out the numbers. But uh, there are just people from all over the country buying property, moving in here that we're like, how have you even heard of us? Right. Pretty rural, but uh, I guess stories like in the New Yorker gets our name out there, and we're, we're glad to, we're glad to share it. Right? Did you ever think that you would see that uh, in your lifetime, Keith? In migration, uh, driving growth in Eastern Kentucky? No, because this is my hometown. I grew up here. I went away to college, came back with a business degree, and wanted to work in my hometown, and took a job with the phone company. You know, answering the phone, doing customer service, and I've been here almost forty-four years now. It's been a great career, and uh, this company's been great to me. And and most of my life here, people are complaining about how we don't have things. And they, you know, the best and the brightest would usually go away to school and then never come back because there weren't good jobs here. But you know, I'm actually seeing some of the reverse, and it's it is so cool to see. You know, this is my community where my family and friends are to see. You know, good things happening, people coming and wanting to be a part of it rather than wanting to leave. It must be tremendous for the latter part of your career to see this uh, this transformation happening. And the cooperative, as I understand, has since expanded into other areas beyond the economic development part, including services for vets. So what does that look like? That whole thing started with a visit to the White House. We were fortunate enough, our company, some of the cool things we were doing, we got invited to go to the White House at a rural health summit. And out of that, came a pilot project to do this supposed to do something for veterans health. And so we volunteered to, to be a pilot and we, we partnered with our local library. They're like us, you know, they have a local board. They just want to help the community. And they had a, they had a room that they said, well, if you'll provide the internet and you'll furnish it and redo it a little bit, we'll provide this space that veterans can come and get telehealth care, telemedicine. And uh, so we, Went and met with some of the veterans and, and said, okay, would, would you use this? Because it's it's like an all-day event to go to the VA medical clinic here. It's mm-hmm. a three-hour uh, round-tip drive plus all the time you wait. 
We were trying to make it a little more convenient for the veterans because of so much sacrifice they've made for our country, and we wanted to try to help them. And I hear all these stories about how poorly veterans feel about the either the care they get or the time it takes to get it, or all these horror stories that that's it's you know that you would think they should get the best of care the easiest way, and, it, and it's not always that way. So they said, "Yeah, we'd we'd like to try it if you do it." and and so we partnered with our national organization, the NTCA, the World Broadband Association, and they, they sort of promoted it. And we, we were actually the first in the country to do this, we call it a virtual living room, where they come to the to the library there. And it's a really nice new furnishings and, and everything. And we already were providing free gigabit speed internet to the library for our community. So so they can go there, they have an appointment with their local VA doctor and, uh, and do a lot of the services without leaving our hometown. So so this was just sort of a model that it was a pilot to see how it went and we had a big grand opening. We've had a lot of publicity about it. And, and now more of those are opening throughout the state and even even the country. And, and we're hoping uh, you know, that maybe we've, we've helped start a trend that will make life easier for our, for our veterans. Obviously, it can't, it can't do all their health care mm-hmm. at this point in time, but anything that can be done remotely, uh, it's a help to them. And it's great that you're already positioned there to be a model, right? To be a pilot project where uh, the impact of what you're doing is going to be felt much further beyond uh, Eastern Kentucky. Yes, there's one getting ready to open in Vermont. And I've been talking to them uh, for the last few months trying to, they've asked questions about how we did it and whatever. And I just got an email yesterday saying they're getting ready to open that clinic. So we're, we're happy that, you know, we maybe helped be a part of something good that, that could grow throughout the country. Right. And if we go back, Keith, to the beginning of this project where the fiber optic cables were laid, how have you seen the unemployment rate in your area or Eastern Kentucky uh, shift from that point till now? Well, I I can't say that we're the main, we're the only reason for unemployment change, but I know uh, our unemployment was back uh, back during the the Great Recession, 2007-8, probably at 15-16%. And, uh, you know, it's down to about 5% now. Mm-hmm. Again, not all of that's due to us, but right. uh, certainly, you know, I think our network and some of the things that we've been doing in our network that's been done on our network have been a part of that. And, and you you know, we're not sitting here patting ourselves on the back that we we fixed unemployment. We know better right. than that. Right. But, but we certainly, I think, played a part and hopefully we'll play a part in and making our community a better place to work and live. Because I think that's what's one of the missions of our cooperative is just if we can figure out different ways to make our community a better place to work and to live, it's not just about providing a service. Right. And across Canada, we find that rural broadband has become in recent years a, a big political issue, especially at election time. How much uh, are you seeing it be an issue as we get into uh, this is an election year now in the United States? Is, is rural broadband on the radar as uh, among the top political issues there? And, and do you see an increase, maybe an interest in the solutions that have come out of Jackson County? You know, if you follow political uh stories in in america right now there's very few things that the right and the left can agree on and and it, I, I, the irony is you know i'll go to washington a couple of times a year along with other uh, ceos of, of telcos like mine and we'll talk to the politicians and the fcc and whatever and this is one issue that right now i'll knock on wood right now there seems to be bipartisanship that everybody wants to improve rural broadband in america now, there are different ideas about how it can be done, and there's a lot of different ideas out there. 
But I'm seeing a lot of positive traction in rural broadband and it seems like Washington is getting behind that concept much more so than at other times in my career. So, you know, I'm pleasantly surprised and very happy that, that it seems to be something that almost everyone can agree on, that this is something we need. Uh, rural broadband needs to be improved and, and, you know, we're willing to put some money towards it because that's really, you know, what it takes to fix it. There's a pretty good cost to building infrastructure like this, but from my perspective, and I go to Washington, you know, fairly often, we're seeing more positive things now than we've seen in several years. And I guess that's part of the key is when there is government money, new initiatives and programs on the table, you have to act, you have to seize it. That's that's part of what you folks have done there um, with the cooperative, is it not? It is. Of course, one of the reasons we were able to build this countywide was there was some low interest loan and some grant money available from the government. And we've continued to apply for loans and grants and combinations thereof anytime there's some available. And we've been able to get, you know, another small one just this year, but that's, that's actually for another County that we're expanding. And what we're trying to do now is expand some of this network into a couple other counties, not necessarily countywide, but in, into the towns and, and some of the places that not as ex- expensive to build into. And so we're, we're, expanding our footprint and we've, we've got a, a small grant to, to help do that just this year. So you definitely have to look where funds are available and go after them. And you're not always successful. We've been turned down many times, but we're not, mm-hmm. we're not going to stop trying. Right. And based on what your experience, and, and I know it does take a community to kind of come together to make some of these things happen, but what do you think are the right ingredients of a rural community to take on a, a big project like this and actually see it through to the impacts that it can have in areas like healthcare and, and economic development? Well, of course, the funding is part of it, but you've got to have a, I think you need to have a desire to do something that can really make a difference in your community. And I think our, our leaders, not only with our company or our board, but the community leaders and, and others here saw the value as well. But, you know, just you have to really have a, a vision and a mission to complete this thing. And, and I know we, we finished like 90% of it and, and you know, the, we'd only had a few hundred people that we couldn't serve with fiber and, and, and our group said, we're going to do 100% of the people, whatever it takes. And, you know, we took our own capital then and, and did that because uh, we're, we're also part owner of a, of a wireless company in Eastern Kentucky, and that, that sort of helps us as well. So it's not for the faint of heart? It is not. <laughs> it's <a laughs> risk involved, but uh, we certainly think the reward has been well worth the risk in this case. Absolutely. So what's next for the Telephone Cooperative and more broadly Jackson County's uh, and Eastern Kentucky's economic and social development? Well, I think two things. We want to continue to have our eyes and ears open to opportunities that can utilize the network we built because, like I said earlier, this is not just about providing a service. We want to do anything we can with this to improve our communities, but also we are surrounded by communities and counties that have poor internet mm-hmm. that are operated by companies that may have their headquarters in another state and, and barely know where these towns are, much less going to build any infrastructure. in them. Right. We're getting a lot of requests to build out into those areas. And if we can get funding and do it in a, make a business case for it, uh, we're trying to do some of that. We're, we're already doing some of it and we'll, we'll continue to, to do more as the opportunities arise. And, uh, if we can spread our footprint, uh, that would not only be good for those communities, but it'd be good for our, the, the financial health of our company down the road, too, to have more homes and businesses to be able to serve. 
Well, it is a terrific story, and uh, I, I hope that your phone continues to ring off the hook as people uh, from, you know, in the United States, but maybe Canada and other countries too, uh, look to learn more about your example and how they can um, maybe draw from it for their own communities, better futures. Thanks so much, Keith, for being with us on Rural Spark today, and uh, we look forward to getting that picture of Bob the Mule, and uh, we're going to be tracking to see uh, how things go in the future with the telephone cooperative. So thanks so much. Thank you, Ellen. You have a great day. Okay, bye-bye. And thanks to all of you for joining us this week on Rural Spark. Our team includes content producer Catherine Murphy and technical producer Tara Seabarth. Music is by Jason Shaw. We wish you all the very best for the week ahead in your part of rural Canada.